Coming up on this episode of the RunningRestaurants.com podcast, I speak with Chef Steve Konopelski of the Escoffier School of Culinary Arts. You are not going to want to miss the fantastic collection of tips Chef Steve shares around recruiting and retaining back-of-house staff. Really great stuff. Stay tuned. Hey, it's Jamie from RunningRestaurants.com. Here is a restaurant fact of life. Large costs can pop up fast, right? From unexpected expenses to equipment and marketing opportunities, there are times when you need cash fast. That's why I want to tell you about Zinch. They're a direct lender that makes financing fast and simple around your restaurant needs. If your restaurant is doing over $10,000 in monthly revenue and has been in business for over six months, Zinch can fund you up to $250,000 in less than two days. See how much cash you can get with Zinch. Right now, my listeners can apply without fees, and that's a $250 value. Go straight to financingthatworks.com today. And again, that's financingthatworks.com. Loans made or arranged pursuant to a California finance lender's law license. All right, folks, welcome to the runningrestaurants.com podcast, where we bring you the tips tools and techniques you need to know to make your restaurant more profitable and successful. I'm your host, Jamie Oikel, and today we've got a great episode for you with Chef Steve Konopelski from uh, from Escoffier School of Culinary Arts. Chef Steve, how are you, man? I am great, Jamie. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you, everybody, that's tuning in to listen right now. Uh, we appreciate it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to go in some other directions for sure in the conversation, but I want to start with something that's really on top of everybody's mind in the business. And that's the hiring stuff. And I want to focus on back a house where you have have some ex experience. And so you can call on what you guys are doing there at the school, what you're seeing restaurants struggle with in, in hiring, training and retaining back a house employees. How, how do you want to start that? Oh, so you're asking the $100,000 question like right <laughs> out of the gate. Okay, this is great. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> I think one of the things that is very, very challenging right now is that sort of um, finding and maintaining is, uh, is our two difficulties in this industry. There is sort of, especially depending on where you are in the country, there may not be much of a talent pool at all, or it may really need a little chlorine. Um, and so there is kind of this, sometimes we have to have, I guess, a little bit of a give and take. We have sort of this idea of what our dream employee is going to be. But oftentimes we're not able to find that. And especially in mm. the kitchen world, we need people with specialized skills. But what we also need is somebody that is open and sponge-like, as it were, that's going to be able to grow within that space. And I think perhaps the focus sometimes is too much on who has all of the skills. And a better focus might be who is moldable, who is worth our investment, and who will be able to grow within our set up our industry, our business. And for me, that was something that I really tried to look for when hiring uh, my back of house, my front of house as well, but especially my back of house. Because at the end of the day, we have this sort of set vision for what the restaurant is going to be. But we also have to be very sort of realistic with ourselves and understand that that will probably um, grow and evolve and potentially change over time. 
And so we also want to make sure that we're going to have a staff that will be able to ride that sort of long train with us. So for me, I was definitely more like, who is also moldable? Mm -hmm. Who is ex going to accept the critiques, right? And who is going to grow with me versus somebody who maybe has all of those skills, but they also are perhaps coming with a lot of bad habits. And I'm going to maybe need to spend more time kind of perhaps breaking some of those or changing them. Who is moldable? Who is shapeable? Who is wanting to be there? Because the techniques can come. Mm -hmm. Question. I wrote this down because I like you grabbed me right. You grabbed me right in the beginning part of that where you used the phrase uh, might need a little bit of chlorine, which I think of the pool here, you know, to clean out the, the and you already mentioned there in the last part of the bad habits that they might might have um, to do that. And, and in the kitchen is it's. I, you're much, much more experienced, but I, th I think a front of house is a little bit easier to hire. You know, you can grab someone with a smile and they can, and they can kind of learn that, but yeah, you talk, there's definitely some skills in the back. And so I, I really like what you said about the wanting it, the moldable part. Um, but what are some, what are some ways now to find them? Um, whether is, is it word of mouth? Of course, some of it, is it friends, referrals? Is it school resources like you guys? What are some other things people are using to find folks? What do you think? I think that there is sort of a lot more resources out there for hiring than there was 5, 10, 15 mm -hmm. years ago. You know, we even have like Indeeds and ZipRecruiters and all of mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. We do have like at uh, the school where I teach right now, all of our students are required to do an externship. And our career services is actually very good at making mm -hmm. relationships throughout the country uh, so our students can be placed no matter where they might be. Developing a relationship as a business with a local training environment is something that really should be key, even if it is at the high school level, where you can maybe have a student come in and do a little bit of, you know, like learning labor situation. It benefits both parties for sure. There's a lot more opportunity for that type of development. And so I think, as you said, developing personal relationships with, uh, you know, training institutions, word of mouth is great. That's where a lot of my, um, you know, sort of very strong employees came from, especially in a smaller community, right? If mm -hmm. there's only, you know, 12 restaurants, <laughs> it's sort of like tinder everybody's been with everybody at some point um and so you kind of start to figure out who are you know the really like great performers and who's the person you know they've jumped ship nine different times there's maybe a reason that this person has worked in nine different restaurants over the course of you know a year and a half um so the word of mouth thing is great at kind of maybe being able to sort of do a little like pre-interviewing as it were I can say for myself personally, didn't have very much uh, success with sort of online formats okay. for back of house. But that's because we have some special skills that we're looking for. For front of house, I definitely had a little bit more success in that respect. I think, you know, the personal relationships with places like a community college, a, a, a school, mm -hmm. that type of stuff, at least they're coming to you now with an understanding of the vocabulary. They may not have a mastery of all the skills, but who does? 
but they are coming there for a reason. They went to school for a reason, right? And so if we can kind of find those people and bring them in and grow them very, very quickly, that's a really good investment as far as a, you know, back of house situation is concerned. And as someone who may also, you know, have a um, uh, financial interest, you're an investor in the restaurant as well, making that investment in those people is going to pay off in the end. What about the um, the interview process itself? I want to, I, if you can maybe think about it from both sides of the script, uh, and, and perhaps you train your your students there how to interview well. So I, you can talk perhaps from that perspective. But also, what are some good questions? What are some good techniques to interview back of house staff? Anything along those lines? I actually think that one of the most important things in an interview process, no matter where they're going to be, but let's kind of think about the way the back of the house is, right? You are in close quarters, you are on top of each other, mm -hmm. and you are on top of each other for very long hours. So some of my first questions in the interview process is, I just want to get to know you as a human being. I want to know, is your voice going to annoy me over the course of the next <laughs> hour and a half? Because maybe that might be enough. And I'm, you know, human enough to admit that I don't think I could listen to you for two and a half hours or, you know, <laughs> an entire shift. Is there a personality there, right? Some, we are people at the end of the day. And we want to kind of grow and have this sort of family type of, in, of environment and atmosphere. So I think there's nothing wrong with trying to get to know someone as a person. That's actually one of the very first questions that was asked to me when I went to interview with James Beard Award winner, Claudia Fleming, name drop, um, and I ended up becoming her assistant. The first part of our interview was not, oh, I see that you went to school and blah, 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 blah. It was, let me get to know you as a human being. And then let me see what skills you have. Talk to me about those things. That's the opportunity for you as the person being interviewed to sell yourself. And then, all right, now we're going to go in the kitchen and we're going to work side by side for the next six hours, unpaid. And we'll see how, if you can kind of, uh, cash the check that you just wrote by saying, I can do one, two, three, four, five, six. Now let's go in and kind of put those things into practice. So when I had my business, I kind of operated my interviews that same way. I would usually do a little bit of a pre-interview, mm -hmm. maybe five or 10 minutes, just over the phone. That's where some of that kind of personality stuff came through saying, yes, I would like to you to come into, you know, the, the, um, the bakery and we're going to do a stage. You're going to work for about three or four hours, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And when they showed up, I still, again, started with that. Let me get to know you a little bit more as a person. Talk to me about the skills that you have. And then I'm going to basically sort of test your skills. Let me see what you can do. And Within that process, I always took a moment to have a teaching moment mm -hmm. because that's how you're going to find out not only what can this employee do, but will they be open and accepting to your critique and will they be able to sort of implement that critique in like a, a very short period of time. So I always made sure in my, you know, stages to make sure that there was something there that was going to be a little bit tricky or it was 
a very specific way that I did things. You know, at our bakery, it was frosting cakes, for example. I have like a very specific way that I like mine done. So can you frost a cake? A, but can you now learn to do it my way? And are you open to that? Or are you going to fight me and be like, well, I've always done it like this. That's great. Awesome. But here yeah. we do it this way. So right. I think that is a very, very important thing. Have a teachable moment within your interviewing process because you'll see, are they open and accepting to that or are they going to fight you? And if they're going to fight you in the interview where they're supposed to be on their best behavior, you yeah. know that down the road, this is going to become an issue. Right. That's a good, good point, of course. Question. Uh you deal with, I'm thinking of generational stuff for a second here, younger folks growing up with the phone, um, interviewing skills, a little different interaction, different communication, different looking, looking you in the eye, a little bit different. Um, any tips you can share? Let's flip it for the interviewing folks. Like, Hey guys, I know you're young, but do these things to make yourself stand out in an interview. Those, that's a great question. Um, and here's a couple of things that I tell my students all the time. Number one, be early, but not too early and never be late. Five minutes early is completely acceptable. 10 minutes early actually says you don't have enough respect for the time on the other person. You could be 10 minutes early, but sit in the parking lot. Mm. Don't come into the kitchen here. I'm 10 minutes early because they have planned that you're supposed to be there at two. And in the kitchen, they're working up till 159 and 30 seconds. And then they're going to come out and grab you. So be early, but don't be in their space too early and never be late. And especially don't be late walking in with a cup of coffee in your hand because now we know why you're late. Right. So that is, and that was always my biggest pet peeve is people that were super early that then were like, well, I'm here now. So can I just, can we start this interview early? No, I have a business that I'm running and I am on a very tight schedule. So have some kind of understanding of that. Definitely eye contact. I think that is so key. And as you said, it is a little bit of a challenge for a younger generation that's growing up communicating with people sight unseen, or even in a Zoom situation where you're not really mm -hmm. looking at someone in the eyes. You know, you're looking at your own eyes in the camera, not in the camera to sort of make it look like you and I are looking at each other. Eye contact is important. Present yourself in a professional manner. Comb your hair. Uh, you know, like wear a clean shirt. Um, don't look like an unmade bed. Uh, you know, just very kind of basic type of stuff. And then have confidence in what you are bringing to the mm. table. Mm -hmm. And let that come through. Sometimes that just means a smile. Sometimes that means in the way you actually are uh, carrying yourself nonverbal communication. You're standing straight. Your shoulders are back. You know, you're kind of like hunched over and 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 looking up at the top of your. There's that. There's no self confidence there. Have confidence. They need you as much as you need them, and you can bring something to the table. Every single person does have something that they can bring to the table. The person that is interviewing you is looking for that. For those of us that are, you know, running the back of house, we have to also understand everybody out there can bring something to the table. Yeah. And so it's our opportunity to discover that. So when you're being interviewed, let them know what is it that you can bring to the table? What is your personal experience? You know, I came to this 
industry late in life. I had an entire career before I became a chef. Mm. And I have a lot of experience in that career that I can bring to the table. So maybe you've only, you know, been working in a kitchen for a year, but you were a nurse for 25 years before that. You know what it's like to be on your feet for long hours. Make sure that they know that. You understand what how, how important it is for details in record keeping. Make sure that they know that. You um, are a team player. Make sure that they know that. That's what we need in the kitchen is all of those other kind of soft skills, that type of stuff. We don't just need people that can hold a knife really, really well and cook a steak to the perfect temperature. We need everything else. And to flip it back, for those of us that are looking for our staff, I think we have to remember more and more that there is so many sort of transferable skills that people have from whatever walk mm -hmm. of life that they've, that they've walked. And that is going to bring something to the table. So that's where to go back to, I want to get to know you as a person. I also want to know, like, what have you done? What are these soft skills, these other things that you're going to be able to bring here? And is that something that my team is actually kind of missing? Am I missing somebody that's like a yes chef kind of person? Because that's going to sort of maybe rub off on some of the other team. Am I missing somebody that is really, um, you know, punctual? Am I missing somebody that <laughs> is just very attentive to the world around them? They're not so much sort of focused on what they're doing, but they're really involved in what everybody else is doing. That is something that I think for me made my experience in the kitchen kind of easy is before I came to this world, I was a dancer. And one of the biggest things that I was trained is on spatial awareness and mm. knowing what everybody else is doing around me at all times. And I remember when I was in conservatory, it was actually something that my teachers commented to my parents about is like, Steve is really, really good at not only knowing what he needs to do, but he knows what everybody else needs to do at the same time. And it's not even on stage. He probably could tell you what the stage managers are doing right now. He just has this sort of knack of being attentive to everything else in the world around him. Yeah. That is so huge in the kitchen. You have to know what everybody else is doing too. If you can operate on a line where you never have to say behind as you're passing through because everyone is just so aware of what everybody else is doing, that is phenomenal. And I think that's one of the reasons I was a very good assistant to Claudia is when I was working in the kitchen beside her, I was not only doing what I needed to do, but I was also always having one eye on what she was doing. So when Claudia walked out of the kitchen, she never needed to tell me, hey, Steve, that thing has five more minutes in the oven. She never needed to tell me when this is cool, can you put it in the refrigerator? I knew what she was doing as well. So if she had to step out to do the bazillion other things that she had to do, I could just absorb her job as well and never need to be told about it. That is a huge, huge skill huge, to have. Yeah. And if you can discover those types of people, because that unfortunately is the disease that is in the kitchen. We have our sort of, this is my job, this is your job, da, 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 da. And we have mm. to have some of that because we can't have this sort of free for all. But what we also have to have is everybody should be aware of how 
what they do affects the people around them and what the person or people around them are doing so that the slack can be picked up if need be or that we can all operate together. If this just becomes, nope, I'm Garde Manger. That's all I do. I do nothing else. Those are the people that you don't want. Right, man. A lot of good tips there. Uh, I was I was jotting stuff down down the whole time, but yeah. If if, if folks go back, listen to that section, yeah, both from the interview side and and the interviewee side. I'm sure there's a lot of horror stories that you could share that restaurateurs could share about people coming in, even with uh, the clothing and stuff people wear and how they behave. But we won't we won't get into that right now. Let's let's go to the retention side real quickly. So. This has been a big challenge over the last couple of years because as labor is tight, people try to pull people out of out of your kitchen to bring them into their kitchen. And and for a while there was bonuses and pay hikes and this and that. So you need to do something at your restaurant that makes people want to stay. And that's a culture thing. That's, that's it's growth opportunities, lots of things like that. But what do you see retention tools and, and techniques that, that folks have been successful with? What do you think? I think one of the good retention techniques is to let everybody know how important they are to the whole picture of the operation. And then let each of your employees become invested in some way, usually emotionally, as to what is the goal here. You know, um, if we're if we're shooting for a Michelin star, everybody in the kitchen should be aware of that, that that is the goal and that's where we're moving towards. And so that everyone can kind of participate in that together. And when you have the successes, everyone feels it. And when there is, you know, a misstep or whatever, everyone feels that as well. Mm-hmm. I used to involve my employees a lot, kind of letting them know, hey, this is what we're going to be doing over the course of the next couple of months. And this is what we're trying to achieve with growth. This is, you know, we're we're speaking with, you know, again, I had a bakery. So uh, I would always let my employees know, hey, I've been talking with this other thing. We're working on a wholesale deal with another hotel to do the uh, pastries for the for the breakfast and the continental thing. If this happens, we will then be getting, you know, this other big uh, orders and this is going to happen. I wanted them to always be aware of that. It wasn't a situation where I just sort of arrived one day and said, okay, guys, now we have to double the amount of stuff that we're doing because we just got this thing. I wanted them to know that. I wanted them to be excited about the potential uh, opportunities that were coming our way. Um, Even when I did, television things and I wasn't supposed to tell anybody my back of house staff knew my front of house staff didn't Hmm. but my back of house staff knew because I didn't just all of a sudden not want to be there for two weeks and they're going well what the heck you know I wanted them to be invested in that and of course when I would come home I wouldn't say hey (laughs) yeah I won but I would I would say it was a great experience and I I can't wait for you to be able to um, watch what I did and and kind of become a part of that Um, another thing that I think might sort of help psychologically is using the term we Mm -hmm. and not the term I and instill that in every single one of your employees. This is a we situation. This is not an I situation. And it just drives home that sort of importance of that teamwork that nobody does anything by themselves. 
And sometimes as, you know, executive chef, owner, whatever, there's kind of that sort of temptation. It's like, this is what I did. This is what I built. But that's not true. It's a we situation. And the more and more that everybody can be part of the we, and you can make the we part of the vocabulary. Even when I did interviews and things like that, I never said I. I always said we. Because one of my employees might be hearing that. And mm -hmm. when they realize that they helped to get us to where we were, that's huge. And that might be enough. Of course, then treating them well, you know, it, money incentive. Understanding them as a human being, again, helps you to sort of realize, like, is this somebody that maybe has some financial struggles? And if so, can I toss an extra few hours their way every now and then? Or this is somebody that is struggling with daycare and, and the situations. So to kind of have an open conversation with them privately, is this is this schedule too hard for you right now? What can we do to sort of adjust that to make it so that it works for you? I mm -hmm. had an employee once that was like, this is becoming very hard because of, you know, our daycare situation, which we've lost. And I was like, would you like to come in then and work at night? You can come in in the evenings by yourself and get your stuff done. You don't have to be here from eight to three with everyone else. If that will help you in your situation, I am happy to, do that so that we can keep you, but that your struggles that you're having at home might not affect your, you know, performance when you're here at work. Yeah, that's right. I mean, people will say, I mean, money's the easiest one when you're looking for a new job, money's always kind of top priority, but then things like you just talked about schedule flexibility, growth opportunities, people that you're working with, culture, those are those are big parts of every, every position too. But does, uh, we'll just stay here for a second. How much is money playing a factor in the kitchen, do you think, in terms of pulling people in and out? Any other thoughts? I think it's always going to be there. And as much as we might kind of want to say, no, hopefully the kitchen culture can kind of be like Google and we just want everybody to be happy all of the time and it doesn't really matter what they get paid. At the end of the day, you know, it's a job. It's a career. Um, people, this is maybe, you know, their sole source of income. So I think that that's going to always be there. But when you understand sort of the lifestyle, even a little bit of each one of your employees, that might help you to understand yeah. like when it comes time for raising or bonuses or whatever, it might be more beneficial that, you know, more hours or like less hours, more money type of situation or more hours, same same pay, um, an overtime situation may be a bit more beneficial than an actual sort of pay raise in general. Um, even when it comes time for bonuses and things, is it like a cash bonus situation or might it be more beneficial to, I don't know, throw them like a, you know, a gift card to a grocery store so that you know that your employee is going to be able to take care of their family. Whereas, you know, cash sometimes goes other places. Here's stuff yeah. that will have, you know, we even for some of our employees, it was like, Hey, there's extra stuff. Why don't you just take that home? Cause I knew that they were struggling, but I also knew that that's a very embarrassing conversation to have. So we have these extra things. I could sell them as day old, but that's going to maybe sort of bring the perceived quality of my business down. So I'm much happier to send 
this extra stuff home with my one employee because I know what they've got going on at home. And that might just be enough to help today. So they don't have to think about, well, what am I going to do for dinner tonight? Here's all this extra stuff. That yeah, there's just, just your, let me your point is good. Different folks have different levers that really are meaningful to them. And so having that understanding is, is important. Let's, let's kind of wrap with the, what's going on for you at the school there. Um, yeah, I, I know you talked about some of the, uh, the, the awards that you've done in the past, a lot, a lot of great stuff you've been a part of. If you want to uh, get to any, any of the TV stuff or, or what you guys are doing there, I want to get out to share the website. Uh, how do you want to kind of lead folks here at the end? Well, since I am an educator now and training, you know, the next generation, I think I'd like to live in 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 that little world for uh, for a moment. I know in this industry, there is still this sort of like double edged sword when it kind of looking at education. Uh, You know, is it worth it? Is it not worth it? Can you learn on the job versus whatever? Since I came from a, you know, technique-driven conservatory type of background. I'm a huge advocate for an education. And not just because I work for a culinary school, but just in general. I found that 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 was my personal experience. I loved going to culinary school. I thrived there because it was a situation that was instilling in me, it's so important to have a foundation in base technique. And once I have that foundation, I can kind of do anything. You know, when you know what all the rules are, you now know also how to manipulate them and perhaps even break them and still be successful. So I'm a huge advocate for an education of some kind. If you are as a restaurant that's looking for somebody and you're in a situation where there is a school around you, I highly encourage you to make a connection with that school. What students do they have? This is a great, great resource for you as far as finding your employees for people that are students at a school do your best put your best foot forward at all times understand that you are there to learn a huge variety of skills and techniques that will allow you to sort of the world can become your oyster if you sort of pigeonhole yourself in school and say well i don't think i really need to learn this i only need Mm. to learn this then you're not going to have all of the doors opened for you Um, again, that kind of understanding of the vocabulary that we have in the kitchen, it's a very specific vocabulary. Like you can kind of say things outside of the kitchen and people don't get it. And that's kind of fun. It's like having this sort of little secret language. So having people that understand that vocabulary that know what you're talking about, I think is crucial. And then as the, um, as the owners or whoever, as you're looking for people, figure out ways to implement some training in your mm. either, uh, not just in your hiring process, but I think that also is a retention thing. Can you bring in some chefs every now and then? Can you have some workshops, some training? Um, is there even a way that you can maybe send some of your employees to classes outside of your kitchen. That is going to keep people there that they know that they're going to be able to sort of grow. And I think, again, that's where, you know, (laughs) being an advocate for school kind of comes in handy. There's so many opportunities for workshops, guest chefs to come in. You know, that's always so exciting to learn these new things. Nobody knows everything. We all will 
grow with experience and let's grow together, right? Let's have our team, our family that we're trying to build. Everyone wants to be in this kitchen. That's like this family environment. So let's learn together every now and then let's grow together. Let's have this sort of give and take type of conversation and see what happens, you know? Yeah. I love it. I love it. Qu question for you about your school in particular. Um, I, I know I go on the site at scofier.edu. We'll, we'll put the link everywhere, but there's, there's an online piece. There's in-person. Where are you guys physically? What happens online? What does it look like these days? Cause it's different than 20, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, we actually have, um, so we have two ground campuses, one in Boulder, Colorado, and one in Austin, Texas, which mm -hmm. are fantastic. We also have a very large online program, and our online program is just sort of, it's it's growing. So mm -hmm. we have essentially a diploma program, we have an associate's degree, and within that we have a culinary program, we have a pastry program, we have a plant-based program now, we have a holistic program, we also have like hotel restaurant uh, management and operations program. Okay. There's a lot of stuff that we can kind of learn in this online format. I think I think there is this sort of, you know, um, like negative perception about online culinary school where it's like, yes, this is a technique kind of driven thing. And there's also kind of flavor components and stuff like that to to take into consideration. But let's look at training at its very basis. There is a vocabulary that everyone needs to understand. And there are some techniques that are there. And also, let's also remember anyone who's ever been to culinary school, when we graduated, we did not know everything. And we still were kitchen grunt coming out of that situation. But we understood the vocabulary, we understood the techniques, and we had maybe um, a bit of a quicker trajectory in growth than someone who doesn't speak that kitchen language, right? So that's what we are instilling in so many of our students, even in the online program. We're helping them to understand what that vocabulary is. We're giving them a base understanding of technique. Yes, we can't taste their food, but I am getting very, very good at looking at things and going, okay, I know exactly what happened here. And I think that that has helped me a lot as a chef is I can recognize when errors are happening solely now just on uh, by looking at something. I don't even have to taste it to know that's dry. That is absolutely dry because I can see all of these other key things. You know, um, cooking is something that we use all five of our senses, but we're so used to just kind of being in this whole, I have to touch it, I have to see it, and I have to taste it kind of world. There's a lot of other stuff that kind of, you know, uh, comes into to play here too. And at the end of the day, when our students are leaving, all of our students do have to do an externship in a professional kitchen. That's their opportunity to implement their technique and their vocabulary and hopefully become the part of somebody else's family. They will leave the Escoffier family and they will go into your, you know, kitchen family. And we know that they can do it. Um. Absolutely. I, I, I want to give you one last chance. I'm, I happen to be on the site over here looking at it. If if they land on the web, on the homepage, are there specific things to dive right into uh, directions or their downloads, uh, brochures? What do, what do you got? Well, one of the things that I think is kind of fun about our school website is if you're going to be on there for more than two minutes, a little thing pops up in the bottom right hand corner. It's like almost like a little AI type of person. It's like, hi, what can I help you with? So if nothing uh, else, yeah. ask the little 
<laughs> the little AI character about say, this is what I'm looking for. Um, you can kind of mm -hmm. jump around. You do want to sort of, especially if you're not in Boulder or Austin, you'll want to jump into the online programs. Um, and you can request information. You can request contact from our admissions department. Just kind of poke around. There may or may not be like a wonderful set of podcasts as well that may or may not include one by myself. Just saying. Oh <laughs> so if you want to look at the ultimate dish, the Escoffier podcast, shameless plug. But <laughs> of course, there's a, there's a great episode. Um, I was very fortunate to to do one of the episodes with our. Um, uh, our our uh, in-house sort of podcast talking about that kind of personal experience, what kind of brought me to the kitchen world and ultimately something that is my point of view that I share with my students all the time, which is be unapologetically you. Know what you have to offer and bring to the table because once you own who you are, that is going to sort of make you that much more valuable. So maybe there's my last piece of advice for mm -hmm. anyone that is being interviewed right? Be unapologetically you. Be open to critique and, and betterment at all times. You, you know, you are not perfect. No one is perfect. Perfection doesn't exist, by the way. So, but own who you are and what you can bring to the table. And then as the, the back of house, you know, own the kitchen identity. Oh, this is our team. This is what we are trying to achieve. And we want you to become a part of that as well. And when someone feels wanted, they're going to put their best foot forward. Yeah, really good stuff today. I appreciate it, Chef. Uh, folks, that's been Chef Steve Konopelski of Escoffier School of Culinary Arts. You can find them at escoffier.edu. That's E-S-C-O-F-F-I-E-R.edu. And you may need to use spell check in Google uh, to get there. No, escoffier.edu. Uh, for more great restaurant marketing and service and people and tech tips and more, uh, stay tuned to us here at runningrestaurants.com. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Chef. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you again for joining us for this episode of the runningrestaurants.com podcast. Please, if you would, do me a big, big favor and hit the like button on this show. And please subscribe or favorite us in your podcast platform to get future episodes. We'd also very much appreciate your feedback or review of the show. If you would share that, it'd be great and a big, big help to us. Thanks so much, and we'll see you soon.